Hi, everybody. Everybody online. So I apologize for those that, uh, that are in the room uh, for it to be a little, it is a little chilly. Uh, remember, this time of year, um, with uh, you know, the, the cool mornings and all that, uh, there's two settings to, 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 the, to the heat, uh, speaking of the environment. There's two settings, uh, a little chilly or like hellfire oven, you know, and so <clears throat> I, went, I went with a little chilly, with a little chilly. Let's, uh, let's begin with Psalm 104. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please uh, turn with me to Psalm 104. Very good uh, habit to get into, by the way, bringing your Bible, your own Bible to church, so that way you can participate uh, without... Uh, electronics for at least an hour of, of your Sabbath, um, and, uh, but if you do have your phone, you can uh, turn to BibleGateway.org is a great resource. Why can't I find the Psalms? I'm a pastor. I went to seminary. There it is. Um, it was in my Bible all along, <laughs> book of Psalms. Um, anyway, we're going to begin with, uh, with Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with uh, splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. He set the earth on its foundation so that it should never be moved. Lord, you covered it with the the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. The mountains rose. The valley sank down to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass so that they may not again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them, the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man. I like that, that that verse is in there. Oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted, and them the birds build their nests. The stork has her homes in the fir trees, the high mountains are for the wild goats, the rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon and the, to mark the seasons. The sun knows it's time for setting. You make darkness, Lord, and it is night when all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and labors until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom have you made them all. The the earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. There there go the ships and and Leviathan, which you formed to play in 
in, the, in it, in the depths of the ocean. Look, these all look to you, Lord God, to give them their food in, in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. And when you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Who looks on the earth um, and, and it trembles? Who touches the mountains and they smoke? I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have been. May the meditation, uh, may my meditation be pleasing to Him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's an appropriate way to end this ancient poem dedicated to God and His wisely created order. I think when you read a passage like this, uh, you, 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 have to, um, you have to admire the detail. First of all, the psalm is bookended and infused with worship. Bless the Lord, you're very great, clothed in splendor and majesty. The trees belong to God. He'll take care of them. Even the lion seeks the food that God provided for him. Oh Lord, how, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. I will sing praise to my God while I have been, like as long as there is breath in my body. I will sing praise to God. May the meditation, may my meditation be pleasing to Him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Praise the Lord. Worship in the created order. God being at the, at the center of this created order. That's what we're talking about today. So, <clears throat> I've been watching a lot of The Big Bang Theory lately. Um, really funny show. Uh, lasted 11 seasons. The show is about a group, for those who haven't watched it, it's about a group of uh, young scientists who are like also unapologetically nerdy. Most of the show is filled with Star Trek references and superhero jokes, so yeah, I enjoy it. But the show is also filled with all these science references, you know, references to like Archimedes and Isaac Newton and Einstein and Stephen Hawking, and most of that goes over my head. I've never had much of a scientific mind. I remember my senior year in high school um, where, you know, I was only obligated to take like an English class and like a half a year of government. And the rest of your schedule is just open to anything you want to take. You, you can fill it up as you please. So I, I thought it might be fun to take an astronomy class. And ooh, astronomy, that sounds cool. Like, I thought it was going to be like going to the planetarium at the science center. Like, it will be a dark room, probably comfortable chairs. We get to look at like pretty stars and talk about constellations and stuff. You know, I, I just envisioned this like um, really kind of easy place where I can just got to go and take a nap. Turns out, astronomy is like all math. And um, I failed the class. <laughs> so, having grown up a little bit since then, I do love uh, a good science documentary, like the, like the Cosmo show. I love that show. 
It's fascinating to hear scientists talk about everything we think we know about the universe. You know, it's, it's really incredible to think about how big the universe is. And apparently, like, big doesn't even begin to describe it. It's remarkable, you know, that scientists has learned, have learned so much just from, like, our position on this little rock. And conversely, it's also remarkable to go into the other direction and see how much is going on from, like, the, the micro perspective. Last year, you, you met one of my best friends in the world from, from high school, Dr. Matthew Fisher, who, who has dedicated his life to the study of germs and viruses, microbiology and immunology. And, of course, he's getting his Ph.D., and I'm making jokes like, don't get me wrong, I'm glad somebody's doing it. Better you than me, but I'm glad somebody's doing it. And then COVID hit, and I said, well, it appears your moment has arrived. And he spent the last, past, the, the last year on the, on the front lines doing the excellent work to fight this thing. Here's the point. Thankfully, I don't have to understand it all. Not only is there too much for me to understand, and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be able to make sense of most of it if I tried. More importantly, though, as a Christian, I'm called to respect it. Uh, more than that, I'm called to, like Psalm 104, I'm, I'm called to marvel at it. I'm called to take it seriously. I'm called to open my eyes and wonder at the environment that God has placed me in. And I think that one of the first sins that humanity commits in regards to the environment, it's, it's not just desecrating it, we'll get to that. No, no, it's ignoring it, taking it for granted, pretending like we're entitled to it. Psalm 104, it's written from a perspective of someone who has acknowledged God's well-ordered world and then responds in the only way that makes sense for him to respond, with worship. Yesterday, I got to play baseball on uh, James's baseball team, and we're just standing there on a baseball diamond, playing practice on this beautiful spring day with the green grass and the blue sky, and it, I just, it was overwhelmed with how, with how grateful that I was just, to, just to, to be in a part of the world that is just so gorgeous, even as just a, a park and a baseball field. Two problems that humanity have faced over the years in regards to creation. The first is pantheonism. Problem with pantheonism is that it worships the, the creature rather than the creator. If everything is God, then nothing is God. But the image we get from Scripture is that the one true and holy God, the God of the universe, this God has crafted the world. And this leads us to another falsehood, the falsehood of deism. You're probably familiar with deism. It was the faith paradigm of many of America's founding fathers. Basically, it sees God as a divine clockmaker who designs and shapes the created order, winds it up, and then steps away. But that's not what we see in the Bible, right? Just look at Psalm 104. Look at how much of this poem is written in the present tense. God causes the grass to grow. He created the order. Um, to, the created order looks to God to give them their meat in due season. God doesn't just design the planet. God is involved in the created order. He's sovereign over it, but he's also intimately connected to it. The language of the psalm, the language the psalm paints 
paints a picture of a, a, of a God who is intimately connected to creation on every level. Uh, turn to the book of uh, Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians, the Apostle Paul is writing to a group of Jesus followers in the first century A.D. It's a gathering of Christians in the area of Colossae. And right from the beginning of the letter, Paul wants them to understand exactly who this Jesus is and why this death and resurrection matters so deeply. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Paul is talking about Jesus and he says, Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, all things were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the, the head of the body, the church. This God, this God, by the way, this, this Jesus who is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, it is that Jesus that is the head of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him, in Him, get this, this is crazy, in Jesus... The fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile, God's reconciling all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by, get this, the blood of his cross. And you, you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, you doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above approach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, he says, became a minister. So Christology... It's a theological discipline. If you go to seminary, one of the things you will study is Christology. It's the study of Jesus, the study of Christ. And that right there, that's what we call a high Christology. All that stuff that Psalm 104 mentioned, the grass and the trees and the lion and the badger, the oceans and the heavens above, all according to Paul, all of that was created by Jesus for Jesus. Jesus um, wasn't a creature he was and is the creator. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And if I told you that the fullness of God saw fit to dwell in, you know, some guy named Phil, and, and for some reason you believed me, you'd probably like wonder, Phil? Well, the fullness of God was dwelling in Phil? Like, well, what did what, what, he do? What kind of life did he lead? The fullness of God, you know? You'd probably wonder what Phil did with his life. The fullness of God, Phil. Wow, what do you do? Well, Paul is saying, hey guys, the fullness of God saw fit to dwell in this man, Jesus. From the beginning of all things, it was he who created all things. But I thought, you know, God created the heavens and the earth, you might say. Exactly. So if Jesus was God, and God put on flesh and lived a human life, you'd want to pay close attention to what Jesus did with that life. And let me tell you, for the most part, he actually just lived a normal life. 
get parents, went to school, or some variation of ancient Hebrew school. He went through puberty. He went to work. He was a man. He had a beard. For those with ears to hear. He went to the bathroom. He had friends. He lived life the way you and I live life, only he did it better. Paul is saying that in this guy Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and then in the last few years of his life, he started doing some miraculous things. Really? Wow. Jesus? Joseph's son? The, the carpenter guy? Well, what did he do? The book of Mark tells us that, that when Jesus spoke about the law, he did it with authority. Many times in the gospel, we actually see Jesus physically heal people. The lame walk, the blind see. He gives hope to people who had given up on themselves. Once or twice, he even brings dead people back to life. You see, he had the ability to heal the physical world because he had the authority over the physical world. And the reason he had the authority over the physical world is because he was the author of the whole darn story. Do you love science? Does science like, get you going? Do you love nature? Get to know Jesus. Because the story doesn't end with him living a good life, healing people. And he dies an old, of old age, happy and full of his days. No, the Bible gives us a picture of a man who lived this extraordinary life, or who lived an ordinary life in an extraordinary way. And then it says in the book of Mark, this, get this, that this man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his what? A ransom for many. To give his life. To give his life a ransom for many. And Paul, Paul says he made peace. Jesus made peace by the blood of his cross. We're talking about physical stuff here. We're talking about life here. We're talking about our mortal body here. The story of Jesus is not about abstract moralism. I know I'm laboring the point a little bit, but really try to see what's going on here. This human being in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell lived a life of service to other humans. He showed us what being human is supposed to look like. And then he went to the cross in order to destroy the things that kept us, that keep us from, from following his lead. The things that keep, keep us from living the sort of humanity that we're supposed to live. He lived the life of love sacrifice. But also, Jesus lived a life of authority as the author of creation. He lived a life of responsibility. He lived a life of stewardship for the created order. Follow the logic here. Jesus created all things. In him, all things hold together. In him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Follow that one. And through him, by defeating sin, death, and evil on the cross, he began a movement of reconciliation for the created order. Because, Paul says, he wasn't just reconciling humanity back to himself, he was reconciling all things to himself. As Paul says in Ephesians, in Christ, God's plan for the fullness of time was to unite all things in him, things, on heaven, things in heaven and on earth. You see, here's the truth, friends. God didn't save you from your sins so that you could go to heaven when you die. 
On the cross, Jesus defeated sin, death, and evil in order that we might participate in the work of cosmic reconciliation. Don't believe me? Turn to book of Romans 8. Last week, we saw Paul say these life-changing words in, in chapter 8 of Romans, verse 11. I love this. I think if we get one verse out of this whole series, I think this might be it. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So Christianity is not about disembodied hope. Obviously, when we die, there's tons of times in Scripture where, there's a few times in Scripture where it talks about how we will go to be with, with Christ in heaven when we die. But the ultimate story here is about the new creation. The ultimate story is about the, the, the bringing together of heaven and earth. That's Revelation 21 and 22 right there. It's about, so, so what Christianity is about is about living Jesus' new way of being human in the here and now in this existence, to, in and with our mortal bodies. Then, uh, Romans 8, verse 18. For I consider, this is Paul talking, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, and the sufferings of this present time were great, right? They lived under the oppression of the Roman Empire. This is Paul talking about, talking to the church in the city of Rome, ancient first century Rome. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us. Or to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the glory wait, for the creation waits, get this, the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That's an incredible sentence right there. The freedom of the glory of the children of God. We'll get to that in a second. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we await eagerly for the adoption as sons. This is my Father's world, right? We're waiting for eagerly as a, for adoption. The redemption of our bodies. In this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. We hope for what we do not see, but, but we wait for it. We wait for it with patience. So, central to the Christian faith is patience. Patience that God will put the world to rights in His time by His agenda. God is reconciling all things to Himself. He is unifying all things in Christ. He is summing up all things in Him. Our call as Christians is to live out that patient life by following Christ's new creation, resurrection lead. We're following Jesus out of the tomb. There was an old worship song that we used to sing, we don't sing anymore, uh, called, Lord, I Lift Your Name on High. 
And the chorus said, You came from heaven to earth to show the way, good. From the earth to the cross, my debt to pay, good. From the cross to the grave, good. Jesus was dead, we got to say that. But then, from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. What's missing? The resurrection. Jesus didn't go from the grave to the sky directly. He was raised from the dead. The Holy Spirit breathing new life into a mortal body as the first fruits of a new created order. And that, that hope is what we're all waiting for. The physical world matters. Our physical bodies matter. We need to take care of it. And here in Romans 8, Paul tells us that creation itself has been in bondage in some way. It, it waits for, for eager longing. It groans as a woman in the pains of childbirth. What's coming? What is it eagerly waiting for? Consummation, Revelation 21, yeah. But, but that's a consummation that we're invited to live into today. The most, one of the most important principles of the New Testament is now and not yet. Yes, there's stuff that, that hasn't quite happened yet. The new creation hasn't been consummated yet, but, but we are also lived, but the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is within our grasp. It's within our midst. We are called to live today through the power of the resurrection. I mean, remember back to our series, Rebellion. Humanity was given the responsibility of having dominion over the created order. That was a pre-rebellion responsibility. And that responsibility was corrupted by humanity's rebellion. Remember how each step along the way, we saw these stories like Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Noah, human sinfulness. We saw these stories of human sinfulness affect the created order. It affected the soil. We were called to be wise stewards of this creation, but, but our selfish desire affected the created order, and now it is caught in the bondage of corruption. But now, through the power of the resurrection, we are called back to take up our proper role as wise stewards of that creation, first by giving praise to God for this you know, amazing world that we find ourselves but then also by standing up for the protection of the environment, standing up for the protection of the, of the created order as wise stewards of what we've been given, grateful, wise stewards of what we've been given. This world is our home. This is my Father's world. We have a responsibility to take care of it. Notice verse 21 that creation itself will be set free from its bondage of corruption and obtain of the glory of the children of God. So what does freedom look like for the created order? Freedom looks like the glorification of the children of God. So, get this, when the children of God act like the children of God, creation will be free. Remember, Paul doesn't say that creation itself will have glory. He says that creation will have freedom because God's children have glory. And glory is this. As N.T. Wright says, that humanity acts as God's agents in bringing the wise, healing, restorative, 
divine justice to the whole created order. Now, that might be a heavy cross to bear. I'm doing a wedding next week, and when I preach at weddings, one of the things I say is I, I like to talk about how, um, how important it is to you know, live out a faithful marriage and how it's going to be difficult. Um, God-honoring marriage is difficult. I say, actually, it's so difficult, it's impossible. It's impossible to live in the intersection of heaven and earth without God's help. That is where Jesus comes along. All of this, all of this creation care has to be done in Jesus' name, with Jesus at the center, following his new creation lead. He's at the center of all existence. Remember, in him all things hold together. So following Jesus is what it's going to look like to be caring for our creation. Seek first the kingdom of God with Jesus, King Jesus on the throne, and then those other things will be added to it. For us, you know, and I'll leave with this, I'll leave us with this. I, I think that, that for us, the, the first step, step is, is to just take a simple step. Creation care is not something that, that comes naturally to me. I'll, I'll be honest, I'll confess that. I, I stumble at it all the time. And I'm grateful that Amy holds me accountable. So, so for me, my first step towards a, a, the, the wise stewardship was to look to someone in my life that I trusted implicitly, who cares so deeply for this principle of wise stewardship, and then I need to follow her lead. Sometimes when our heart isn't where we know what God, where God wants it to be, our job is humility. Our job is to follow others who are farther down the path. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, creation, the creation story of, of, um, of freedom, the, the creation story of, of, of freedom is also our story of sanctification as Paul says, not only creation, this isn't just about, this is about creation, but we're a part of that. So not only creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we eagerly await the adoption of sons. Again, now and not yet, in a sense, we are sons and daughters of, of the Most High right now. But in a sense, that hasn't been consummated yet. So we are living into that now and not yet reality but we eagerly await for adoption of sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. This hope of resurrection. And we wait for it with patience. We wait for it with patience of the one in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In Him and in Him alone we can do this. We can do this. Let me pray for us. Father, I am so unbelievably grateful for this world that you have given us. I am grateful for the grass. I'm grateful for the creatures of this world. I'm grateful for the skies. I'm grateful for the heavens. I'm grateful for the breeze. I'm so grateful for the oceans and the sea. Lord, we might understand how... how the scientific world works. We can learn more and more about that. But, but, but also help us to see that you gave us so much more abundantly, so much abundantly more than, than what we needed. 
You didn't just give us the oxygen to breathe. You didn't just give us the air to breathe. You didn't just give us food. You gave us flowers. You gave us beauty. You gave us trees. You gave us this incredibly gorgeous created world that, that we are called to live in and open our eyes to the, to the things around us. Help us first to be so grateful for this world that you've called us to live in, the world that you've given us, the world that you've, but then also help us to live into our responsibility of, of dominion. Help us to be the wise stewards. Help us to take care of the things that you've given us to be responsible for. The way a parent cares for their child, the, the, the way a, a boss takes care of their employees, the way you take care of us, that's our responsibility to this world that we're in. Help us to be the healing and restorative uh, voice. Help us to stand up when we need to stand up and help us to take, uh, have gratitude when we need to have gratitude. Lord, we put all of this in your hands and do it for all for your glory. In the most holy name of Jesus Christ, amen.